If you want your on-air content full of spice If you like your daily news much more precise If you much prefer announcers on the ball Then you'd best tune in to Marcus Paul If you hate what MSM has now become Rupert Murdoch and his dirty rotten son If you're sick of mainstream doing bugger all Marcus Paul should be your water call Marcus Paul is a sleuth, always looking for truth He wants accountability He will bring you the news and some great interviews Just listen to the prawn, you'll see If you need affairs as current as they come If you're sick of Rupert Murdoch and his son If you much prefer someone who doesn't draw Marcus Paul is always on the ball He's sure to expose anybody on the nose He's holding politicians to account He is real and legit and he has a finest wit His honesty is paramount If you want to listen to the prawn on air He's online with Starter Rep and find him there Marcus Paul will bring you all the latest news And he always does great interviews You can listen to him when you choose Marcus back on air is such fantastic news. Well, good morning and welcome to Thursday. It is March 17. Marcus Paul in the morning. Nice to have you company. Whether you're listening to us on Starter FM, online, through your favourite radio app, be it the iHeartRadio app, or of course on TuneIn, or maybe you're listening back to the Prawncast. I hope you're well. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, busy program as always, talking about some of the issues that affect you and getting into some of your feedback as well. I might start this morning, why don't I, with an email that I received, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au in relation to, I think, uh, not yesterday's, but Monday's show from Aaron. Marcus, I think Albo is helping others by helping himself. We've seen from Shane Warne and others that heart disease is a huge issue. I believe Albo will be the next PM. He knows he's going to have his back against the wall after a decade of LNP destruction. Uh, The Murdoch press, well, they're already on the attack. And I agree with what you say in regards to looking after your health. A healthy body equals a healthy mind. Just like the New York Mayor Eric Adams, we need to get the public thinking about healthy eating. Aaron goes on, uh, that story you mentioned about your old primary school with kids having to wee into a bucket is disgusting. I don't believe, Marcus, it would ever happen in a private school. Public schools in New South Wales are in dire straits. They are cash-strapped and short-staffed. All right, Tristo, thank you for that. Um, That's your nickname, is it, Tristo? (laughs) Not Christo, but Tristo. Thank you. Very soon, I want to talk about some major issues, including the fact that soon you may well be paying $7 for a cup of coffee. Yeah, Australians could be forced to pay up to $7 for a regular cup of coffee as cafe owners... um, overheads and their costs climb. I'll get into that story soon. Uh, The cost of living, COVID-19, that new variant, and climate are the big issues ahead of the next federal election. They call them the hot button issues. Uh, 
Look, I think cost of living is the most important issue affecting pretty much all of us. Wages have gone backwards in recent times. They certainly haven't risen, not in line with inflation and the cost of living. As we know, we're paying an absolute fortune for our petrol, although there may well be some, uh, well, perhaps a bit of relief down the track. I'm reading that this morning. So some relief in sight. I'll get to the issue about that pump relief. Petrol costs could come down. I'll talk about that a little later this morning as well. There are calls for an overhaul to online safety. Social media platforms must take more responsibility for ensuring the safety of their users who need a one-stop shop to report violent abuse. That's according to a Senate investigation. The Senate Social Media and Online Safety Inquiry found social media users were at risk of serious harm online and they've recommended a review of the way global tech giants dealt with threats and greater privacy protections, in particular for younger users. I'll talk about that and other things on the program. It's nice to have your company on this Thursday. Some great music on the way. If you want to touch base with us, maybe leave me your thoughts on the show. You can do that. Send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au and, of course, on our Facebook pages, Starter FM Facebook page and Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, welcome back. Thursday morning on the program, Marcus Paul in the morning. Well, what do you believe will be the biggest or hot button issue leading into this year's federal election? Cost of living. Yep, absolutely. I think it is. Apparently, the cost of living is neck and neck with COVID-19 as the most important issue to voters at the upcoming federal ballot. I don't know. Is it really with COVID? Well, I suppose, given the recent news, even as as late as yesterday, that there were in excess of 20,000 new COVID infections in New South Wales. Stand by, folks. I think COVID is going to be the big story of the coming weeks with this new Omicron 2 variant out there in our community. It's apparently some seven times more contagious than the last one. Anyway, the hot button issue of climate change is also turning electorates on their heads. A record-breaking poll of more than 15,000 Australians, which was conducted by YouGov, revealed 107 out of the 151 lower house seats have more voters who want further action on climate than support the current target of net zero by 2050. Well, is there any surprise? You know, those who are very vocal uh, climate change sceptics and they make a lot of noise, but I think the silence majority are now starting to speak. Absolutely they are. And the vast majority in all seats, including in rural Australia and coal-heavy electorates, either support the commitment to net zero or think the government should go further, in fact. But in a pincer grip for both parties, voters in Labor heartland seats are far more likely to back the coalition's position while voters in affluent inner-city seats held by the Liberals overwhelmingly say the government should be doing more. Well, what do you make of all of that? 
as I mentioned, I think COVID will start to, uh, uh, I guess, dominate the news headlines in coming weeks. Um, I wonder whether Scott Morrison will be able to utter the words climate change in any of his campaigning in the coming months. I know that Anthony Albanese certainly will. And what will both leaders, who are neck and neck as preferred Prime Minister, what will both leaders do policy-wise to try and pull back the stem of an out-of-control cost of living here in Australia? It's over to those two gentlemen. All right, well, speaking of cost of living, can you believe this? We could be forced to pay up to $7 for a regular cup of coffee as cafe overhead costs continue to climb. The warning came from Cafe Owners and Baristas Association of Australia President David Parham, who said the price for an average flat white nationally could jump to $7 by the end of the year. That's more than a, a skewy of beer, isn't it? Look, I'm not a big coffee fan. I don't drink coffee. Uh, what's wrong with me? Now, I, look, I, I honestly don't drink. I've, I've had a little bit, but I'm not a big coffee fan. <laughs> I know, I'm weird, right? But what are you paying at the moment for a cappuccino or a, a latte, whatever it is? What are you paying? Are you paying anywhere near $7 at the moment? Anyway, the uh, Cafe Owners and Baristas Association have apparently told the ABC there are shortages, obviously, from catastrophes that are happening in places like Brazil with frosts and certain growing conditions in some of the coffee-growing areas. The cost of shipping has become just ridiculous, they say. It's nearly five times the container prices of two years ago. Now, they say the average $4 price for a coffee paid at the moment was long overdue to increase. So there you go, you've been warned. Coffee fans, it is overdue, according to the association. And at some point, the consumer has to bear that. Will you pay seven bucks for a coffee? No, I didn't think so. Marcus Paul in the morning. Welcome back. Thursday morning, Marcus Paul in the morning. Hope you're enjoying the program so far on starterfm.com.au or on the iHeartRadio app or tune in or however way you're listening to us this morning, maybe a little later in the day on the podcast. Uh, My take on the latest news. Now, I talked uh, just a couple of moments ago about the ridiculous cost that we may soon have to pay for a cup of coffee up to seven bucks. And I did say I think that was a little bit more than the average price for a schoolie of beer down at the local. Well, a push by the beer industry to cut the cost of draft beer has come under fire from pharmacists who say that Australians struggling under cost of living pressures would much prefer cheaper prescription medicines than a few cents off a schoolie down at the pub. Well, that's probably true. That is probably true. The Pharmacy Guild of Australia's Trent Toomey, who I've spoken to before on my program, says, I know that if I ask my patients if they would prefer the cost of beer or the cost of medicines to be cut, they would say the cost of medicines. Yeah, well, Trent is the national president of the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. He says that medicines remain unaffordable for so many Australians. Do you agree with that? 
Maybe you'd like to tell me your thoughts. Marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au Some media reports have suggested that the government was considering a cut to draft beer excise taxes, which could lead to around 40 cents being cut from the cost of a skewy in the upcoming federal budget. Well, how about taking off 40 cents a litre on our petrol, on the fuel excise instead, hey? Mr Morrison, Mr Frydenberg... Anyway, apparently, uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison said yesterday that this was just, quote, speculation, unquote. Well, (laughs) I think because there's been such pushback to it that, you know, he will probably now backtrack on it or if they were considering it, I don't think they will anymore. The idea has been roundly criticised by a number of groups, including restaurants struggling to recover from the pandemic, who say that the cut will do nothing to help them, as well as distillers who say that Australia's exorbitant alcohol taxes should be cut across the board. The Pharmacy Guild said its research had found in key marginal electorates, including New South Wales's Dobell, Robertson and Reid, the cost of healthcare was more concerning to voters than housing affordability. Really? More than a quarter of voters in surveyed seats said they had struggled to afford the cost of medications. Mr Toomey from the Pharmacy Guild said, I see mothers in my pharmacy forced to choose which child gets the medicines prescribed by the doctor or not filling their own scripts because there's nothing left in the budget. Well, that is a concern, isn't it? Absolutely. Let me know your thoughts on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the morning at the bottom of the podcast, 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 whatever. Let me know uh, what you think, either that way or via the email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. Now, very soon, I'll give you some details on calls for an overhaul to online safety. Social media giants, including Facebook, Instagram and TikTok, they're on notice from the Senate Social Media and Online Safety Inquiry. That's coming up soon. Marcus Paul in the morning on this Thursday. Thursday morning, nice to have you company with Marcus Paul. And as we give you some bite-sized news segments, I hope you're enjoying the program. Let me know, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au and follow us on social media as well. Look, apparently... There's a shortfall of the number of people going into a field that I often thought you needed to be probably the brainiest person on the block to get into, and that is air traffic controllers. I read yesterday that Australians are being urged to apply for this six-figure job that doesn't require any experience. Look, you need to be well-organised, you need to be able to obviously deal with pressure and, you know, you need to be someone who can be relied upon to make the correct decisions, obviously. I didn't realise, though, you didn't need a, a degree as such or to be brilliant at mathematics necessarily, to get a job as an air traffic controller. And the the money available is outstanding. Um, Starting salary to be an air traffic controller, $99,000, thank you very much. And those in the game for quite some time are earning up to $150K a year. And there are jobs available, I'm told, 
in control towers all over Australia. Worth considering. Absolutely worth considering. I always thought, I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a plane geek. Yes, I've done plane spotting. and I know some of the best vantage points to see the jets come in and land at Sydney in particular. I've been at Shep's Mole quite a few times and you know, I'm, I've always loved aviation. I even have the uh, the flight tracker app on my phone. I've just always loved planes, and I've loved flying on them and even watching them come into land and watching them take off. It's just something that I've always loved doing. I often fantasised perhaps about being a pilot, but I was never good enough at mathematics. And then I thought, oh, maybe the next best thing is a, uh, perhaps someone who works on an aircraft you know, in the field of being a flight attendant. But I was too short and too ugly for that. So then I thought maybe I could be an air traffic controller. That'd be all right. But I thought, you know, you'd need to be like a pilot, extremely good at mathematics and all that kind of stuff. And that just wasn't me. (laughs) Anyway, uh, if you're after a gig, maybe look into it. Doesn't sound too bad at all, does it? An air traffic controller. Apparently there's a shortage of them. Uh, Now, speaking of job shortages, I received an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au, from uh, a bloke who knows the owner of Jim's Mowing Franchises. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in the coming days. But look, if you are looking for work and you want to be your own boss, why not consider one of these franchises? Because, and I'll do some work on it. I may even speak to uh, Mr. Penman, who's the man behind the gym's franchises, about it. But nearly half a million jobs went unanswered last year because there's a shortage of workers in that space. Have you ever considered perhaps, you know, starting your own business, whether it's because they don't just do lawn. Remember, it used to be Jim's mowing service or whatever. They provide a whole range of services these days. And if you're keen and if you want to work hard, you can set your own hours and make as much money as you possibly can. Anyway, I'll get back to that story in the coming days. And, and thank you to my emailer who touched base with me in the last couple of days to let me know that. And that's a, that's a good story to follow up on. Absolutely. Look, if you've got a news tip, something that perhaps I can follow up, maybe even with an interview or, or whatever, let me know. You can do that on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the Morning, by sending me a direct message or via email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. Thursday morning, Marcus Paul in the morning. Nice to have you company. Look, there are calls for an overhaul to online safety. Our online giants, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and the rest of them, well, they've been put on notice. Uh, And apparently, it's because of the Senate Social Media and Online Safety Inquiry and their findings. Social media platforms must take more responsibility for ensuring the safety of their users who need a one-stop shop to report violent abuse, according to a Senate investigation. The Senate Social Media and Online Safety Inquiry found social media users were at risk of serious harm online and recommended a review of the way global tech giants dealt with threats and greater privacy protection for younger users. 
Now, the Inquiry's 26 recommendations released just this week also included another two inquiries into social media, research into which social platforms work to prevent trolling and pylons, and a review of all Australian online safety laws. The inquiry, though, did stop short of recommending social networks collect identification documents from users, however, as some of its participants had called for. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know, I'm I'm one of those who kind of agrees we need to crack down on nastiness on social media. Um, but you got to remember as well, it's just written words. I mean, different if there's a threat and it's a credible threat, particularly to somebody's personal safety, I understand that. Or if it's defamation, I understand that as well. But quite often, you know, just because you get your feelings hurt, and I have so many times on social media, I've had pylons on me, and I've also instigated pylons on trolls. I've never actually started it. I mean, I've been accused of bullying people online, but it's usually because they've sent me a nasty email first. And I've also come under criticism for... What are you, doxing people? Um, but generally, I won't publish somebody's email address un, uh, unless it's a, a fake one. Because, um, you know, in this gig, you get plenty of nasty emails. Uh, and I did have, after the incident at 2SM and the whole quiz thing, I had a number of threats. One that I, uh, I did refer to the police, which was concerning. So, look, I can understand why the inquiry is needed. Now, committee chairwoman, Liberal MP Lucy Wicks, said the inquiry found Australians were suffering serious harm on social networks and needed greater protections online. Miss Wicks said in yesterday's newspapers, for too long, social media platforms have been able to set the rules, enabling the proliferation of online abuse. Well, she's right. The balance of responsibility for the safety of users online, which until recently has been primarily on users, must be flipped to ensure that social media platforms bear more of the burden of providing safety for their users. Yeah, the problem is how do you ensure that is the case? I know that, you know, the vast majority of trolls set up fake accounts. They do, and they're easy to trace back and all the rest of it. But that happens. The balance of responsibility for the safety of users online needs to perhaps needs to move from those who are perhaps doing the trolling to the social network giants themselves to take more responsibility for that content. Yeah, there's a paradox there, isn't there? It's recommendations also included the establishment of a single complaints body for victims of online abuse within eSafety Commission, as well as changes that would see all social networks, such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter and Snapchat, lock down accounts to the highest safety settings by default for users under the age of 18 years. Yeah, but again, the onus then is on the users 
to actually be upfront about their age. I mean, when Facebook, if you're opening up a Facebook account, they ask you for your age, what's to stop you from fibbing? You know, there's no checks and balances there. Anyway, other recommended changes included a digital safety review of all online safety laws with a view to simplify regulations. An investigation into whether end-to-end encryption should be regulated to prevent being exploited by criminals and research by the eSafety Commission into which tech giants actively prevented known trolls, pylons and harms across multiple platforms. Well, there's going to be plenty of trolling going on in the, in the next couple of months, and that's because we have a federal election on the way. So, look, an exchanging of ideas, ideologies, political thoughts can often lead to, well, abuse from others. But I think you need to take it with a grain of salt. It's just somebody sitting behind a keyboard you know, trying to use words to get the better of you. Who cares? But I do stop at, you know, threats and really nasty comments in relation to a person's appearance, their families and all the rest of it. That's where I think we need to crack down. Anyway, all 26 recommendations were agreed upon unanimously by the committee, though member and United Australia Party Senator Craig Kelly also called for imprisonment for social media executives that censored free speech. Imprisonment? Really? I don't know, Craig. I would have thought, um, oh, well, yeah, I suppose he's, he's half right. Um, but you got to remember, Facebook, Twitter and all of these companies are privately owned and they can run their operations any way they see fit, much like you running your political party, the way you see fit. The inquiry's final report followed 11 public hearings and 90 submissions received since it began on the 1st of December last year. Executives from Facebook's parent company, Meta, appeared at the inquiry twice, in one case admitting the firm failed to remove vile threats against radio host Erin Molan until they were contacted by police. Google executives were also quizzed about a series of offensive comments on YouTube that it failed to remove, and the inquiry heard from Facebook whistleblower Frances Horgan, who said her former employer consistently underinvests in safety. Well, Australia's Online Safety Act for tackling serious online threats against adults came into force two months ago. What do you make of all of that? Let me know. Marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. Okay, Thursday morning, time to talk sponsors. If you would like to support what we're doing here, uh, please get in touch with me, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. Maybe you can sponsor the program, just like our good friends at Fox Safety Consulting. I've been telling you about them. They're our inaugural sponsor, and we thank Rick and the team for jumping on board. Workplace Health and Safety, WHS or OHS, depending on the state or territory you're in, is a requirement of every trading business in the country. There's no getting around it. That's why your business, no matter how big or how small, needs Fox Safety Consulting. Workplace health and safety or occupational health and safety can be confusing and at times frustrating. 
to know exactly what to do and how to do it. That's why your business, no matter how big or how small, needs Fox Safety Consulting. Now, at Fox Safety Consulting, Rick and his team will take the time to get to know your business and they'll understand how it operates so they can provide the very best in safety for your workplace. They will design customised practical solutions to fit your needs and they'll make sure your business remains compliant, but equally as important, they'll keep your workers safe. Fox Safety Consulting's national network of consultants are now ready to support your safety journey. Already building a strong rep, Fox Safety Consulting is currently working with micro-businesses around the country, along with governments too across Australia. So get in touch today to see how they can help you and your business. To make an inquiry, go to foxsafety.com.au and choose Fox Safety Consulting to support your safety journey. Okay, nice to have your company. Marcus Paul in the morning on this Thursday. Well, yesterday, it was good to see Anthony Albanese shutting down disrespectful questions regarding former MP Kimberly Kitching. Albo was having none of it when he was quizzed on the Today Show about whether the MP, who, as we know, tragically passed away from a heart attack, had been bullied by female Labor MPs before her death. Many have had their say on our Facebook page, and I I do appreciate it. Although Leith, I think, has a different opinion to mine, and that's okay. It's the politics of refusing to provide an honest answer. That's Labor's standard approach to the truth, says Leith. Okay, um, (laughs) that's your opinion. I'll uh, I'll respectfully disagree with you. Nick, though, says... Is there a time this question could be asked and answered? Because Bill Shorten has already noted it, as has other members of Labor's caucus. Was there an inappropriate measure of pressure on the Senator to not recontest this year's election? Simple, but not raised by the media nor the Coalition, but by Labor members themselves. Yeah, well... Tessa says it wasn't a disrespectful question. Why wouldn't he answer it? Or is he scared of being bullied by the Wong Keneally Gallagher or Katie Gallagher bullies? Oh, I don't know about that. All right. Well, plenty of people having their say on it. Stuart says fair questions to ask. These issues need to be dealt with and... Not now, never helps, as it ends up never being talked about. Albo should get out in front of this because the LMP are in a bind. If they try to use this, uh, okay, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I understand what people are saying, but is there any truth to it? I tend to think maybe something would have come out in the public a lot more prior to Kimberly Kitching's sad death. Now, I don't know whether it's right to suggest or link her passing with alleged bullying or, you know, cliques, if you like, inside the Labor Party of high-profile MPs. Katie Gallagher, Penny Wong and, and, of course, the others. I just don't know. I really don't. All right, but if you want to have your say, that post is doing well on our Facebook page. You can certainly do so. It's Marcus Paul in the morning. 
there's another one I've put up as well where we ask you to please consider uh, supporting what we're doing here so that we can continue to do so. There are plenty of ways you can make a donation to an account that I've uh, I've listed there and you can also support us by becoming a patron via Patreon or maybe even sponsor the show here at Starter FM. Anyway, the video is up and please, um, if you can, help us out so we can, uh, can, can continue to independently do what we do here. Uh, what else have I done on social? Oh, Jetstar's first flight to Bali in almost two years has taken off as the Indonesian island starts welcoming tourists again. <laughs> and I couldn't help myself. There was a, uh, a photo of three busty. Can I say that? I don't mean to be sexist, but come on, girls. Have a look at what they're wearing. It's, normally, people wait until they get to the beach of Bali before they put on their um, bathing suits. But these three very well-endowed ladies were about to hop on a, a, a Jetstar flight to Bali when they were accosted by a Seven News photographer. I know why the journo and cameraman picked these girls out. Plenty to see there. Anyway, I affectionately named them as Sheza, Candy and Tiffany. <laughs> Finally heading back to Bali. What could possibly go wrong? Anyway, good luck to them. I'm sure they'll have fun. Just be very careful, ladies. Be very careful. Uh, plenty of people having their comment too, leaving their comments too on that great piece of journalism from Sir Khan and the team at True Crime News Weekly. I put up a link to the uh, story. Optus says yes, as Australians say no to corruption. Uh, the anger is allegedly corrupt former New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian got a uh, well a job that was effectively made up for her. It's a job for the not for the boys but for the girls. David says, Marcus, we've just moved our services from Optus to Telstra, even though it costs more. They said they get back to us about our concerns regarding Berejiklian's corruption and incompetence. However, nothing to date. Mark says she lost me when she came out with the bullshit statement, New South Wales can't build trains. Um, and others. Uh, fancy Optus employing a person of... Uh, well, we've got to be a little careful here. There is an there's a sniff or a whiff of alleged uh, corruption. Just a sniff. Look, I've got no problem uh, with uh, with people earning an income, and if Optus can, you know, see themselves getting some, well, obviously, some high profile former New South Wales Premier on their books, good on them. You know, we, we live in a, a capitalist society, and that's the way it is. But, um. I, I I don't know. Their own, as Sir Khan spoke to me about on the program just the other morning, their own values state that a service provider cannot be embroiled in even a whiff of any controversy, including fraud, and deception, all that kind of stuff. And last time I checked, the Independent Commission Against Corruption hadn't fully dealt with the former New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian. They hadn't. Anyway, you might want to have your say. You can send me a note, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. It's a Thursday morning. Nice to have your company.
Thursday morning, Marcus Paul in the morning. Nice to have your company. Look, private school NAPLAN results have apparently headed south. Some of New South Wales's most expensive high schools have tanked in NAPLAN tests, while a swathe of selective schools improved their already impressive results. That's in the first comprehensive measure of the state of education since the COVID pandemic began. Selective school James Roos was among the top performers in the 2021 tests in New South Wales after they managed to improve their scores, while certain private high schools, who were in the top 100 back in 2019, experienced a significant drop in their average scores. Those schools included St Paul's International College at Mossvale, which dropped 25 points of its school average, while St Mary MacKillop College in Wagga and St Mary MacKillop College in Albury also dropped by 20 points. Now, the $29,000 a year Tara Anglican School for Girls, Skeggs Darlinghurst and uh, Brigadine College Ramwick all had their averages drop by more than six points. An analysis done by News Corp of the data provided by the Australian Curriculum and Reporting Authority also identified Islamic school Al-Faisal School in Campbelltown increased by 18 points on average across its year seven and year nine. The measure compares overall average scores between 2019 and 2021 and doesn't track students' progress between Year 7 and Year 9, nor take into account socio-economic advantage. It is based on average scaled scores for each school across the domains of reading, writing, grammar, spelling and numeracy. Selective high schools, including Normanhurst Boys, Hornsby Girls and Fort Street in Petersham, they all improved their scores between 2019 and 2021 by more than 10 points. When it came to primary schools, the coveted Matthew Pierce in Borkhamhills Hills had its medium scores across both Year 3 and Year 5 drop by 17 points. But the averages for those same years in uh, Meriden School in Strathfield, Pimble Ladies College and Ashcombe School in Edgecliffe increased by 10 marks. Centre for Independent Studies education expert Glenn Fay said the strong results from private schools, at least at primary school level, was reflected in research on remote learning. Okay, well, if you do want to see how your school rated, there is a, um, well, there's a whole bunch of information if you, if you could be bothered to look for it, dailytelegraph.com.au. There we go. But there's a bit of tension there with the Richies, hey? <laughs> Private school NAPLAN's results have fallen. I've never been a massive fan of NAPLAN because, again, I'd, I just think it's a, uh, a bit of a bullshit way of trying to uh, distinguish between the haves and the have-nots. It's pretty obvious, um, in my opinion, that some of the more well-off schools will have the better students, obviously. Uh, not always. I mean, I did all right. I think I was in the top few percent of uh, my high school year in my HSC, and I went to a, a public school out in Sydney's West. You know, nothing private for me, although I was, from the day I was born, I was booked in to go to St Aloysius College at Milsons Point, um, I think, because my father went there, my grandfather and my cousins, but, you know, having... Uh, moved way out to the Penrith area by the time I reached high school. <laughs> no, thank you. I don't 
but I don't think I would have wanted the commute. Certainly mum didn't want me commuting that far every go every day to go to Aloysius College in the city. And I think I did all right. Although it would have been good to get there and play some cricket and stare out at the bridge every now and then. Marcus Paul in the morning. Welcome back, Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, some more details on bloody petrol prices. I have never <laughs> paid so much to fill up my tank in my life. Oh boy, oh boy. Uh, look, it's okay depending on where you live. Um, relative to your workplace, but if you're out bush somewhere or you're nowhere within cooey of decent public transport, you're in a, uh, well, you're in a world of pain at the moment. However, petrol prices, we're told, could come down with some pump relief in sight. A perfect storm of global events combined with COVID-19 has conspired to give us sky-high petrol prices, but there could be relief in sight. Sydney's record-breaking average pump price of $2.16 a litre is costing motorists dearly, with the average household that uses 35 litres a week now being forced to spend $305 a month filling the tank. Well, I think I'm... Well, I think a lot of people are paying more than that, aren't they? Anyway, a substantial $24 a barrel fall five days ago for the benchmark fuel Australia relies on, the Singapore-based MoGas 95. Well, that could result, fingers crossed, in significant falls for drivers if it lasts. That's according to the NRMA. Now, we know the Russian invasion of Ukraine has increased petrol prices in recent weeks, but record-breaking prices were being recorded in October last year as countries geared back into action post-pandemic. Yeah, but I don't think the petrol prices were as uh, (laughs) exorbitant as they are today with respect to the NRMA. Okay. Well, Uber, meanwhile, has been accused of ripping off customers as floods, transport disruptions and fuel hikes exposed its controversial dynamic pricing model. High demand has left customers paying more than $40 for a 20-minute commute. When you let the market decide without any rules or regulations, you get a system that's built to rip off and overcharge passengers. Well, it's probably no surprise that that comment came from the Taxi Council of Australia. Nick Abraham, Uber prices had surged to around $20 higher than standard taxi rates. Really? An Uber from Surrey Hills to Cronulla was expected to cost $114, while a taxi booking app, Rido, quoted the same trip as uh, for $79. But hang on. Wouldn't you just, if you're in Surrey Hills, wouldn't you just walk down to Central or walk up to Redfern and hop on a train to Cronulla and pay nowhere near that? Goodness sake. Anyway, Uber, um, well, they have stood by their dynamic pricing saying it, quote, enables passengers who want a ride can always get one, unquote. Customer reviews for Uber online are overwhelmingly negative. I've seen some of those. Surge pricing for an eight-kilometre trip from the airport tonight is 75 bucks with no other option. I booked it, said a review on productreviews.com.au with a one-star rating. Uber used to be good when the cost was fair, but with price surges, it's a price gouge. It is price gouging, and... 
A lot of people remain surprised that the ACCC, the consumer watchdog, hasn't stepped in. Well, let me know what you're paying. Have you recently booked either an Uber or a taxi? And have you noticed that the surge price for Uber means you're paying more than what you pay the, uh, the old taxi driver? Let me know. Marcus Paul in the morning. Nice to have you company. All right, welcome back. We're almost done for the day. I just thought I'd check in with a couple of the letters to the editors of newspapers. I haven't done that this week yet, but here's a couple of interesting ones that I found from the last couple of days. This one regarding hospitality jobs from Philippe, who's from uh, Mount Druitt in Sydney's West. Once again, I hear complaining about not being able to fill jobs in hospitality. I'm a chef by trade and have been since 1987. And in that time, I've pretty much seen it all except for two things. The pay being equal to the experience and skill level required and the hours of work being reasonable. The reason many hospitality businesses can't fill jobs is simple. The award rate for chefs has risen less than $5 over the last at least decade. If you want local people to fill jobs with the skills, expertise, ability and passion you want and demand, try paying what their experience, skills, ability and attitude warrant. Then have them work the hours that are fair. Until hospitality is considered like all other professions, has correct and enforced workplace safeguards, acceptable pay rates and staff, Uh, and staff, rather, are given the recognition they deserve, it will die a slow death. Well, what do you make of that comment? Hospitality jobs, are they really that unappealing? All right, uh, this one as well has come through. Um, I feel for the people of Mascot Towers. I spoke about this yesterday. The government needs to put measures in now for companies that build these places to be held liable for their shoddy work they've done. There needs to be a longer term of insurance on these buildings for these builders to fix all the problems. All these people need to get all their money back that they paid for those places. Also, why are the residents still paying strata levies? How can it be justified to take money for a place that is unlivable and the residents do not have access to? All the strata fees need to be refunded to these people as well. Maybe that will help them keep a roof over their heads. So says Norell in Sydney. This one too from Natalie at Wambara. Gorgeous spot, Wambara, in the north of the Illawarra there. The government is missing a golden opportunity to fill job roles and give the unemployed a way to contribute. If local folks aren't applying for hospitality jobs, why aren't the long-term unemployed being asked to step up? Well, (laughs) that old chestnut, hey? Work for the doll. Yeah, well, there's merit to it. There is merit to it. Okay, well, that's just a, a few of the comments coming through to some of the uh, in some of the letters to the editors of papers over the last uh, few days. Marcus Paul in the morning. Nice to have you company on this Thursday. Thursday. 
Well, that's about it for us today. Thank you for tuning in either live on starterfm.com.au, on the iHeartRadio app, or tune in, or maybe you've listened to the Prawncast, the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for being a part of uh, today's program. Please leave your thoughts in a number of ways on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the Morning, or of course via email. You can do that as well, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. Uh, if you'd like to sponsor or support the program, you can do so as well and all the details are at the aforementioned addresses have a wonderful thursday that's almost the second week of our new venture uh, complete and i look forward to your company again tomorrow morning between seven and nine as we broadcast live on starterfm.com.au and on iheart and, and tune in radio have a great day look after each other and we'll talk tomorrow bye now 